What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. We like to drop these passing periods in between our full episodes. Our full episodes are colossal. Jeff, our our episodes are colossal. According to Andrew Gilbert, shout out to Andrew Gilbert out there on the Twitter sphere amplifying our show. We very much appreciate that. Um, He referred to our show as the colossal all the above. And I I like that, Jeff. I like that. It sounds (laughs) sounds really good. you know, I'm not. I'm not mad at it, even slightly. I appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so those full episodes, you know, we got super dope guests that join us, and we throw those up on the YouTubes. We do some video editing and all that, and that takes some time. So in between those full episodes, we drop these passing periods where it's just Jeff and myself exploring some stories that maybe didn't make it in our most recent episodes. And I am Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher, and today this is uh, the weekend of October 9th. Jeff, we have um, some news about like a flood, a flood of radical left legislation in California <laughs> that has recently been signed into law that's going to um, radically shift our our liberal indoctrinating schools even further to the left. And we're going to celebrate some of those some of those bills today and kind of help our audience understand what they mean for our schools and especially for our audience members who might not be in California, just to uh, get a sense of, of what uh, some of the policymaking is looking like out here and, and perhaps what the implications might be for areas in other, other parts of the, of the region. But first, Jeff, man, how are you doing on this fine fall weekend? Yeah, uh, Manuel, I, um, I'm doing very well. Today is actually my first day of vacation. Um, I have a, a trip. I am taking, um, and and I guess for the for the educators out there, let me say, um, I uh, I work year round as an administrator type, so I don't I don't get a summer break. That's so why you I get the big take, bucks, Jeff. That's why you get the big that bucks. Is, that is why I drive a Ferrari, and um, <laughs> you know, and that is why I'm taking vacation in October. Um, but I'm going on a trip with my siblings, uh, or at least a chunk of my siblings, and. Um, it's gonna be great, man. Because we've it's been a it's been a challenging few years for us, and um, it's gonna be a good chance to just get away. So, I am uh, heading out tomorrow early, and uh, right now today it's like packing and you know getting life in order. Nice. So um, so yeah, man. Uh, feeling feeling very good. I will also say. I am feeling very good, but I think what you left out of your introduction there is this slew of lefty liberal reforms here in California. I think actually what happened is Gavin Newsom, governor of California, is going to just simply replace himself with critical race theory. So we're just going to have critical race theory as governor. Right, Indeed. like like some kind of amorphous uh, personification of critical race theory as governor, and um, and then we can all just run and hide from the communism. I think that's 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 really the story. So we can probably move on now. You know, that's that's pretty much accurate, Jeff. I don't see any hyperbole <laughs> or any flaw in that. Yeah, you're <laughs> spot on with that, Jeff. Spot on with that. And thankfully, you are going on vacation now, and this is your opportunity to flee California, Jeff, because you know everyone's fleeing California. It's a disaster. <laughs> Everyone is fleeing, right? Yes, which is which is why rents and housing prices are yes. dropping so low, right? If only, if only, some folks were perhaps deciding <laughs> to leave, so that we would have more. 
uh, housing opportunity availability for everybody. But that's another conversation, Jeff. I do want to say I hope you enjoy your va- your vacation. And for those of you who are uh, listening and you know that we drop our full episodes every other week, we might have a little bit of a delay in there because aside from uh, just much deserved vacation, there's also just the the... The insanity of school and how difficult this semester has been and all that. So you might get two or three passing periods in a row before our next uh, full episode with a super dope guest joins us. But don't trip. Don't trip. We will we will be here every weekend with either a passing period or a full episode, whatever we got. Here we have Jeff. Supposed to, He's supposed to be packing for his vacation and he is taking time out to talk about these issues in education because we are... We're that passionate about education, Jeff. So let's talk about these these bills that are coming out, man. Listen, listen man, all the above is it's like the mail, man. Neither, <laughs> yes. neither rain, sleet, nor snow shall stop all of the above. <laughs> nor, yes, nor although vacation. I can't even think of that, you know, that uh, that positioning of the U.S. Postal Service in that same way anymore. Now, you know, ever since the the Trump era and yeah. the beginning of like. The decline of the Postal Service in terms of being a, a fully, like, nonpartisan, stable institution. Like, that's... Hey, you know, you know your boy, Louis DeJoy, is still there. Still in office. Um, still there for no reason whatsoever other than to destroy the post office. So, um, I know that's not the topic of our show, but um, interesting yes. fact. <laughs> Where, where are you at, Man. Joe Biden? All right, so let's talk about these bills, Jeff. So for those of you who are too busy to follow uh, daily uh, operations in, in California state government, uh, yesterday, Gavin Newsom, our, our governor out here in California, um, who some folks sought to recall and, and boot out of office, he survived that by quite a bit, actually. And yesterday, he signed a was it yesterday? Well, within the last few days, uh, he signed a package of bills, uh, 23 different bills, 23 different bills in this education package. And we're going to discuss some of them. And some of them were headline grabbing and others were maybe, you know, didn't really make make the news much. But a lot of, uh, I guess I could say, Jeff, if I'm just looking at it, just the totality of it all, it seems like a lot of support, somewhat financial support, somewhat like social emotional support for students. And of course, the ethnic studies inclusion in these bills, it looks like it's a step, maybe a really big step in some ways in the right direction for making our schools more humanizing spaces that are supportive of our students and that uh, build our our future generations of students up. I don't know. Uh, Jeff, where would you like to start? Like there's there's a lot in here. We could start with the ethnic studies graduation requirements. We could talk about some of these mental health uh, aspects of this bill. We could talk about the funding. Jeff, maybe you could start there. Just tell us like how much, how much money is is behind this package. Yeah, man. I think we should start there. And um, so. Gavin Newsom signs this huge package, right? Um, One hundred and twenty-three point nine billion dollars billion with a b uh package of legislation seems like just about everybody in the state assembly had their own little custom piece of legislation (laughs) that they could now go back to their district and be like i brought such and such um so you know politics uh but still huge uh spending bill right now of course relative to other states that sounds massive and you know so over the top but folks have to keep in mind, like the population here in California is, is orders of magnitude larger than any other 
you know, other state in the union. Um, and so, you know, this is both, and, and it's important to acknowledge, the single largest funding for education in the history of the state. And it means we're going to have the largest amount of per-pupil funding that we've ever had in the state. And we have to keep in mind that California, as recent as like five years ago, was in the, you know, the bottom 20% of states in the country in terms of per-pupil funding. And that California, since the era of Ronald Reagan, because this is a kinder through college uh, set of education um, funding measures, you know, since that era of Ronald Reagan, California went from having like the best funded public university system in the nation to, you know, a, a situation where we have tons of young people um, in the state, particularly folks who are not either living in like destitute poverty or, you know, upper middle class or wealthy who are kind of in the middle and wind up getting screwed with huge loans or being unable to afford to go to a UC or a CSU. So they go to a two year school first because it's cheaper, but the graduation rates are lower. So they might not actually, you know, persist and make it through and having that, that is an obstacle and a barrier. So there are components of this suite of legislation that will help address uh, huge, long-standing structural and kind of practice needs uh, across the board, from early, you know, childhood education through community colleges and our and our public universities. So, um, you know, I think we have to give like credit where credit is due, right? Like this is this is a good thing, and we got to keep on pushing because you know we can right we can find 124 billion dollars, we can find 140 billion dollars. <laughs> You know, um, there's a lot of rich people who ain't paying their taxes here in California. So um, so it's great. Um, excited to see some of these new things. Love it when we throw money at problems because that's what rich people do. Uh, <laughs> and that's what we need to do on things that address people's needs so they can thrive and not just barely survive. So um, that's a good thing. And, you know, let's keep pushing to the next level. Damn, we got to keep pushing, Jeff. I was hoping this just solved everything because that would be a lot easier. Just sign it all there, throw the money at it, solve it, and just be done with it. But yes, there is there is a ton of work to do. All of these bills, really, um, every single one of them, from my view of it, is a step in the right direction or whatever, but also like leaves a lot unsaid or unaddressed, which, you know, to your point, like, yes, there, there's a lot to celebrate here, but there's also a lot of room for further action and further work. And this $123.9 billion, yes, that's a lot. It's historic in California. However, when you um, total, it out, total it out to, you know, our per pupil spending and look at what other states spend, I, I, I doubtful that this brings California up to number one, where we Californians think it should be. But in any case, Jeff, uh, one of the, perhaps the, the bill within this package that grabbed the most attention, at least it looked like it to me, but for me, I don't know if it's just because the algorithms know that I'm about ethnic studies and that is the type of stuff that showed up on, on most of my feeds and such. But yeah, AB 101, which has been in the works for years, for years. And essentially AB 101 makes ethnic studies a graduation requirement for all students across California. It finally got signed into law. And there's a lot to say about it, 
Jeff, I think it would be a good idea if we, you know, we'll definitely, you know, certainly talk about the, the details of it right now, but I think we got to pull on one of our greatest resources from the the very, very, very first season of All of the Above, and that's uh, Roxana Duenas. I think we need to see if she's interested in coming back on the show because she is an ethnic studies educator who's an ethnic studies star, and she's been about this work since way before, way before this model curriculum and, and this latest uh, legislation became a talking point. So I think we should really see if she's interested in coming back on the show to talk about what this bill uh, means for ethnic studies going forward, Jeff. So if you could go ahead and like take a moment to like reach out to her and see if she's interested in coming coming back on the show, um, I think that would be great. Maybe um, late October or something. <laughs> I, c- I can neither confirm nor deny I will. I will leave you in uh, tingly suspense. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, Ro- Roxana's. Uh, you know, she's she's a, a phenomenal educator. Um, and for those of you who might be like, oh, I, you know, that name maybe kind of rings a bell, or maybe you're like, I'm not sure who that is. You've probably seen her um, because over the last few years, um, certainly, uh, you know, the strike a couple of years ago here in Los Angeles got, you know, national headlines. And you probably saw the poster of a woman who was a teacher and essentially the face of educators push for higher pay and, you know, better working conditions, more nurses and librarians in schools, et cetera, et cetera. The face that you saw was was Roxana's face. Um, so, um, you know, pretty, pretty cool, um, you know, aspect of um, of her life over the last several years. Um, and uh, yeah, can't wait to uh, fingers crossed have her back on um, here on the show so we can talk more about ethnic studies. And so Manuel can spill all of the uh, deep state secrets that he uh, has been hoarding. Um, for the last few years, as he as he has been uh, working with George Soros to corrupt the minds of the youth uh, within the state government of California. Um, so it's going to be explosive, folks, on many fronts. Explosive. Critical race theory all over the place. But yes, this bill. So AB 101, for those who aren't familiar, this is going to require that starting with the school year 2029, 2030. So that's a ways from now, which is a bit of a bummer, but starting with that graduation, graduating class, they need to have had at least a one semester course in ethnic studies. And by 2025, so within the next four to five years, four years, schools have to at least offer courses in ethnic studies. So really that one, you know, four years in in education, that that flies by. And when you look across the state of California, sure, a lot of the school districts in big city areas, Los Angeles, San Francisco, a lot of them already have ethnic studies courses. However, a ton of districts don't have any ethnic studies offerings at all. So within four years, they they have to have their stuff together and, and offer ethnic studies course. And that's going to be uh, that's going to be a challenge. That's going to be a big challenge, especially in areas of California that have populations that are adverse to talking or thinking critically about race and, and thinking about how our American history has marginalized so many voices. And, and it's going to be a challenge. So I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Roxana's views on how we can really help build this up across the state, especially in schools where, you know, Jeff, I think back to my high school and I'm like, well, okay, if my high school had an ethnic studies requirement and I'm thinking about the history teachers that I had in high school, I'm like, 
which teacher would have taught ethnic studies? Because I don't know that I trust any of them with that sort of content. So I'm concerned about, you know, schools out there that perhaps don't currently have uh, staff members who would do right by ethnic studies. But in any case, it is uh, a great move on the state to be the first state in the nation to require ethnic studies for high school graduation. And when this bill last reached the governor's desk about a year ago, he vetoed it because at the time there was all this controversy, uh, all this, all this fighting over the ethnic studies model curriculum and allegations that it was anti-Semitic. And while I personally do not think those allegations had much merit, and certainly the authors of that curriculum were willing to readdress that curriculum and, and try to work with folks to, to address some of the criticism of it, um, that whole process became, well, it became a mess. And we're not gonna talk about it here, but this version of the bill now has been signed into law the governor saying that he's satisfied with how the model curriculum ended up coming out. And there's going to be a, a, a long road ahead because each district, according to this bill, each district is going to have to present their proposed ethnic studies curriculum um, to the public in public hearings. And I could just picture, Jeff, I could picture these school board meetings over the next four to five years, man. I could picture these school board meetings where the the, each district is presenting what its ethnic studies course is going to look like. And I could just picture all those parents and all the craziness. So it's not going to be easy. However, no. giant step, giant step. I mean, I myself entered the teaching profession because I loved history and I just hated that. In all my history classes, I never got to learn about uh, mar any marginalized groups. I never learned anything about any African history. I certainly never learned anything about Asian American Pacific Islander uh, contributions and histories and none of that stuff. So when I got to college, like those are the classes I took because I was starving for that. And I just love that now we will be soon in an era where students like myself will have offerings on their school site to to meet their needs and to learn about other communities and to learn more uh, deeply about their own and think more deeply about their place and um, the legacy of of their own communities in in this works in this work here so very much excited about that we'll talk more about that Jeff in a you know in a little in a few weeks when we do a deeper dive into ethnic studies and especially for those of you who are listening who are in other states where it's the opposite direction whereas so many states have have banned it, let alone like, you know, banned books, banned uh, teaching of it, gone after teachers, fired principals over it. So here in California, at least we're heading in the opposite direction of that. So with all the flaws, with all the problems, with all the the political fighting back and forth around this ethnic studies bill and the ethnic studies curriculum, at least we are not marching down the road of banning children's books about, you know, I love my hair and such, which we talked about in a recent episode. Uh, but Jeff, that's just one of the bills. There's a whole lot of other stuff in there too. I don't know if you want to jump to one of the other ones or if you have anything that you want to say about uh, this ethnic studies bill. No, I mean, I think I think you covered it there, Manuel. And um, I don't want to, you know, don't want to spoil the, uh, the great discussion to come in a few weeks here. Um, so let's move to a couple of other aspects of this legislation. One of the, um, so some of this stuff is huge, like policy changing stuff that's really expensive, right? Like, um, you know, mental health, uh, you know, requiring schools to have, um, or offering schools a system that they can opt into, I should say, for assessing mental health referrals and needs um, for for young people um, requiring that mental health be part of the curriculum 
for health classes, right? Yeah. Um, so stuff like that, I think, is great because we have such a strange, divorced uh, way of thinking about physical health versus mental health um, in this country, and um, you know, with with a sort of hierarchy of like physical health is. You know, it's superior and like, you know, if you if you break your foot, well, that's, you know, now I understand you have some kind of um, handicap in this moment. But if you are struggling with anxiety or depression or, you know, lots of the things that we see and are now seeing in increased numbers manifest in school, I think as a result of the, you know, the sort of long term effects of grief and trauma and things that have happened uh, during the, the pandemic, um, it's important that education respond to this and that we're bringing additional resources to bear um, in our schools to uh, to help meet the needs of students. And it's interesting because we, we talked, Manuel, so much over the last year. We, I mean the royal we, you know, educators and everyone about like reimagining school and we have to do things differently and we can't go back to the way things were. And I think we just reopened school and we went exactly back to the way things exactly. were with masks. You know, with masks and, and, you know, hand washing stations and like six foot protocols at lunch and stuff. And uh, and we didn't move any of the goalposts. Right. And we didn't make any room in the curriculum or in the day to or in some cases, even in the physical facility of the school to actually prioritize uh, mental health um, for young people. And, you know, educators are not clinical mental health professionals. We have a role to play. But if there's an increased need for mental health, for clinical mental health supports, we also can't just outsource that to teachers, right? Like we need mental health professionals to support and we need practices, systems at schools to assess and make referrals and support kids and families. And so I think this legislation is going, you know, at least a good way towards uh, paying attention to that and putting resources behind that in our schools in a way that, you know, we'll see it's always about implementation uh, with <laughs> with any policy, but I think this is at least a well-intentioned and a good move in a positive direction uh, from my perspective. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it's something like three, Three of these bills that are part of this package uh, directly relate to mental health services for students in our schools, and and as you said, like one of them is about some creating some kind of model protocols for referring students who you know. So I, as a teacher, you know, I'm I'm teaching ethics studies, I'm teaching American government, I'm I'm teaching my content, and when I suspect that a student might be struggling in a particular way uh, with any kind of mental health challenges. I don't know necessarily what to do because it's never really been part of my training. There's not a real clear process. So recently I had a student who had a, a very visible panic attack. And I guess I could say, I, one thing I learned from this experience is that I wasn't really sure what a panic attack looked like because I myself uh, haven't had one. I've been fortunate. And in this case, like it was 
very obvious and it was very visible. And thankfully, we have a wellness center on campus now uh, that's new to our campus. And I was able to usher the student over there. And, and, and we have some very dope people in there, super dope people in there who were able to um, help the student through that through that particular experience. And one of these bills is about developing model protocols for referring students and for helping educators, you know, classroom teachers like me know what to do in situations like that. And, you know, just have a clearer process. And no, another one of the bills was to add mental health as a, a, a excused reason for, for an absence. So, you know, if a student is at home physically ill, they could get an excused absence and it's marked down as illness in terms of for absence reporting and all that. So one of the bills includes mental health uh, as one of the one of the approved reasons for uh, a medically excused absence. And then, like you said, in including mental health instruction in, in health classes, um, such a big thing. So I'm looking forward to what what those might do in terms of supporting schools like the one I work at in dealing with and helping support students. So yeah, good steps in the right direction. Good steps in the right direction for sure. Yeah. So, so that I think I would argue is like one of the sort of bigger, right? Like this is going to touch lots and lots of districts and um, I think have huge, potentially these huge ripple effects across every educator in every school. Um, another aspect of the legislation, which also will be impactful, although um, probably not uh, in exactly the same way and not for every student, but uh, certainly one that's, you know, a little bit clickbaity that's gotten a bunch of headlines um, recently, nationally and locally, is um, a provision uh, or a bill within this suite of bills that is going to provide, require the provision of uh, feminine hygiene products, menstrual care products for, uh, for young women, um, for girls, for um, people who have menstrual cycles um, who attend school. And uh, currently, um, that is not actually a requirement. There are many places where it happens, and that's a good thing. You know, you see the dispensers on the wall and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, this new um, law that has now been signed into effect um, requires free menstrual products be provided, uh, in particular in low-income schools. Um, and Democratic Assemblywoman Christina Garcia, who sponsored the bill, said the following. Our biology doesn't always send an advance warning when we're about to start menstruating, which often means we need to stop whenever we're doing and deal with a period. Just as toilet paper and paper towels are provided individually in virtually every public bathroom, so should menstrual products, she said. So, you know, I think this is this is a great thing, right? That like we have... There are all kinds of ways in which marginalized populations in our country, big or small, experience that marginalization. And, you know, some of them are like glaring and, you know, sort of easy to see. And others are more maybe like hidden inside the bathroom where no one could see. And um, so it, I think it's great that we're both addressing some like big structural issues. We haven't yet talked about the, um, the broadband internet access parts of this bill, which, is, which are huge. 
but um, I love to see this. I think it's gonna make a material difference in the lives and you know lived experience of many, many people who attend school. Um, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing, right? And it's going to um, help send the message that we see you and we have created spaces that are here to take care of you and support your needs and the fullness of your humanity, um, regardless of your income and the resources you come in the door with. So um, love to see this and, um, you know, another positive step here. Yeah, for sure. And I love that the bill, for my reading of it, also includes trans folks too. So the reading of the bill, it says, um, requires all schools, combination grades six to to through 12 inclusive, to stock the school's restrooms with an adequate supply of free menstrual products, available and accessible, free of cost, in all women's restrooms, and all gender restrooms, and in at least one men's restroom at all times, and to post a designated notice on or before the start of the 2020 school, 2022 school year. So that's super dope. So it'll these products will be accessible to any student, regardless of whether or not the dynamics of their school campus require them to go to a men's restroom or a girl's restroom. Or of course, we have many campuses now that have all gender restrooms, but this bill makes sure the products are, they're gonna be there regardless of which uh, restroom you feel that you have to go to. So, hey man, super dope, super dope. That's a, a more humanizing school, at least in that regard. So if we're adding these things up, so you might be in a class where you could finally learn a bit about your own culture. You could finally learn a bit about the rich, diverse history of California, contributions from various groups and the ongoing fight for justice and equity. And then you could take a restroom break and get your free menstrual products if needed. And you go to your health class and now there's a, a at least a unit or something uh, on mental health instruction. And your educator there has clearer protocols on how to refer you to services if they are concerned that you might be uh, experiencing some mental health challenges. And if you feel like you can't go to school because you need a mental health day, um, that's covered now under uh, Senate Bill 14, which is one of these, that, like that. Altogether, that's a humanizing humanizing vision of what California schools could look like. Of course, none of this is perfect. Of course, there's a lot of work to do, but I mean, dang, man, that's, if most of the other states that are grabbing headlines for signing bills into law related to schools, most of those bills are not humanizing bills. Most of them are full of hate. Most of them are full of oppression and marginalization, banning this, banning that. And here we have some bills that are at least attempting or at least signaling a more humanizing vision for what education, what public schooling can be. So I love all that. And we didn't even talk about the broadband that, you know, you just mentioned that. So there's like four bills in there that collectively address more funding for broadband, more enforcement of, of regulations around cable companies that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing in terms of making broadband accessible in certain areas. Uh, just a lot of, a lot of more efforts to making sure that every family across California, whether they're in a rural corner of California or right in the middle of a, a heavily populated urban area of California that has been underserved and, and historically redlined and all that, like no matter what, like these bills are, are attempting to continue to move the needle on broadband access for all, which of course is more important than ever in this um, virtual remote learning hybrid type of world that, that we're in. So, and that Jeff, that doesn't even cover like a whole bunch of the other bills that are in this package. So shout out to California. Is that is that what we're doing here? Shout out to California. I think that's what we're doing. Yep. California love all over the place. And for those of you who are not in California and 
for one, if you're not in California and you're still listening to this, we full, we'd so appreciate you because, you know, you could easily be like, oh, they're talking about California. That's not my state and whatever, whatever. But hopefully I, I'm hoping that some of these some of these policy moves over here in California sort of establish at least a bit of uh, either a model or a direction or possibility for other areas and something like free menstrual products and all the restrooms, like you might be in a state where they're like, hell no, we're not gonna do that. That's socialism, that's communism. Why does a school have to pay for those things, this, that, whatever. But you might be in a school or in a district where you have some folks who have a bit more of a humanizing lens and see that, hey, that's actually a fantastic idea. And if California did that statewide, maybe that's something we could at least do for our our schools or our you know one school campus or whatever. So. Hey man, I, I'm I'm hoping Jeff. I'm hoping these some of these moves are the little bit of a push of encouragement that maybe educators in other areas maybe need to see that like it is possible. Like yeah, there's a lot of terrible news out there. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of terrible conditions right now in our schools, especially related to this pandemic and the sub shortage and all this stuff. But there is there is hope for. There is hope for a better tomorrow, and through continued fighting, continued organizing, continued efforts, we can we can really get there. And I would love to shout out all the folks behind the scenes who helped organize for for all of these. I mean, from the ethnic studies uh, folks, from the OGs who have been pushing for ethnic studies for decades, going all the way back to the Third World Liberation Front and before, um, to folks who have been advocating for mental health services and mental health awareness in schools, and, and those who have been pushing to to get on these cable companies' heads about getting broadband. And, uh, fixed and correct and, and accessible to, to people like all of y'all behind the scenes who unfortunately don't make the headlines and your names don't get attached to these bills in the same way as the actual assembly members and uh, senators but yo shout out to all of y'all because teamwork make the dream work and this is uh this is this is what we need man we all in this together fighting fighting for a better tomorrow I love I love that message, Manuel. And just one quick thing I want to add is I think this well, really all of this legislation, but especially the broadband piece, I think makes really concrete what you were just saying about how we're all in this together, right? Because people think about you know, and it's true, right? There's a massive political divide between urban California and rural California, just like there is across the entire country, right? And people think California is super blue. Well, when you look at it county by county, it's like San Diego, LA, Oakland, San Francisco, Sacramento, and then like, you know, the red rural areas, right? Um, And that's a massive oversimplification when we talk about real issues, because um, wouldn't you know that this problem with broad access to broadband, right? And people getting ripped off by these shady telecom companies um, and getting crap service for over, you know, overpriced um, crap service hits rural California extremely hard, which we saw last year during the pandemic, and hits the parts of urban California where these companies just simply neglect to do their job and don't provide service, like public housing developments here in Los Angeles, right? Where no service providers were were offering high-speed internet access. And because of the big, thick concrete walls in some of the buildings, the hotspot you got from school didn't work. So like, (laughs) you know, this is an example, I think, of one of those areas where like, we really are all in this together. And the, the struggles that we have for justice and equitable access to education unite us in ways uh, that, you know, I think a lot of the other clickbait issues that get in the way of that, um, you know, lead us not to believe. But actually, they need mental health supports in rural areas just like we do in the city. 
They need broadband so their kids can yep. apply to college and attend Zoom school if they need to quarantine, just like we do in the city, right? So this is a great example, I think, of like stuff that's good for people is good for all people, right? And um, that has a huge ripple effect in education, I think. Yeah. For sure, man, for sure. And lastly, before we get out of here, I just, you know, have to address what the internets have been saying about this um, great pumpkin spice everywhere um, <laughs> conversation that we had, Jeff, on a recent recent episode. You you called out Trader Joe's, and I think I, sure did. I, I think unfairly for <laughs> adding pumpkin spice options to like hella products, and you picking up something that you thought was mango but was actually pumpkin spice, and you know, this is an education show and reading is fundamental. And it was right there on the label, mango versus pumpkin spice, right there on the label. But Miss um, Zakia Jackson, one of our uh, AOTA family members out there on the internet, uh, she sided with you. And I just feel like you're both wrong and you both owe Trader <laughs> Joe's an apology. Some people <clears throat> like pumpkin spice and I'm not defending, I am not defending pumpkin spice. I don't buy pumpkin spice anything. I'm just defending the fact that the labels are the labels. Like just because it's orange doesn't mean like it's automatically going to be what you're used to being orange. It's fall. Everything's going to be orange. And it's not Trader Joe's fault that um, you didn't read the label, Jeff. And I just want to make that very clear. In fact, in fact, I would like to I would like for you to apologize to Trader Joe's. For I tell you, you I tell you what's gonna labor. what's gonna happen right now. It's certainly nothing even resembling an apology. What's gonna happen <laughs> right now is some, some truth telling about the fact that our own Manuel Rustin, Doctor Manuel Rustin, is here on the record as a defender of tyrannical corporations who uh, who inundate us with pumpkin spice stuff that was never supposed to be pumpkin spice, okay? If you're in the spice aisle and you got your cinnamon and your nutmeg and your allspice and your cloves and all that, cool. If you wanna put it all together in a little jar and call it pumpkin spice, cool. If you want pumpkin spice pancakes or pumpkin spice oatmeal or something like that, I got no problem. N literally no human being has ever asked for pumpkin spice yogurt. Manuel, okay? You don't know no, that. I do know that. No, no human being you has not. ever asked for pumpkin spice Somebody yogurt. bought it. They wouldn't sell it I if nobody was else. buying it. Nobody asked for pumpkin spice dumplings, okay, in the little frozen section. That's probably section. true. That part's probably true. No, <laughs> nobody's asking for pumpkin spice soap. Nobody's asking for it, man. They just think they could sell it to us, and I'm here to say no, and we're pushing You back. don't have to buy it, okay? Jeff. Just read the label. You don't look, have to man, buy it. Look, that's, that's I simple, enjoy, man. I am not above a pumpkin spice beverage from your local Starbucks, okay? And I will be happy with that. I do not want pumpkin spice infiltrating my peaceful, happy universe, man, okay? Leave me alone, corporate titans and your spokesperson, Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> you sound a lot like those folks who are saying they don't want this anti-racism CRT infiltrating their nice, peaceful, you know, family, their nice American patriot family, get this stuff out of here. And it's like, hey, man, reading is fundamental. Reading, reading is fundamental. It's right reading there. Reading is fundamental. We can agree on that. And... You get these kids off my lawn, okay? With your pumpkin, <laughs> with your pumpkin spice. <laughs> I could dig it. I could dig it. All right. Good stuff there. All right, folks. Uh, that about does it for this week's passing period. As you heard at the top of the episode, uh, Jeff is starting his vacation. So happy vacation to Jeff. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another passing period. If you haven't already uh, rated us and reviewed us and all that good stuff, we would very very much appreciate that. We love y'all, AOTA family. And now it's time for you to go ahead and 
get to class.